then his love outlives outside of all of those things. So it doesn't matter how, how bad we are or, or the things we do when it comes to God's love. If you, and, and this is the clincher, if you are in Christ, then you can experience that love of God that, that has nothing to do with whether you're good or bad. Um, so, you know, maybe you're thinking about, oh, you know, I'm realising that maybe my version of Jesus that I've made up is less like the real Jesus and more like just a once a week or a, you know, an over there, a distant type of Jesus. You know, I would say to you that if you are in Christ, then God loves you regardless. And the position of God isn't now to judge you and to hold you away, but it's actually to draw you in Christ and to be intimate with you. And, um, in John chapter, sorry, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it talks about God's love a bit more. It says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. And you know, I want to say this from the outset that if you get the point that maybe the way you are serving God or the relationship you have with God isn't quite exactly what God had intended. And then you're treating him more like a once-a-week Jesus rather than an everyday Jesus and him being more real and close. And you shouldn't feel afraid and fearful. And then the point of this message isn't to have you leave here feeling like, man, I feel so guilty, my life is so far away from God's standard. It's not that you would leave this place feeling like, I feel so guilty and condemned and, and, you know, and worthless when it comes to the things of God. But it's so that you can leave this place saying that in Christ you are made clean. And so that's the point of this message, is not to leave you with no hope, but to leave you feeling like you know that, that God is on your side. You know, I think about how, how we react in fear sometimes. You know, I, um, you know, maybe I'm the only one here who's done this, but sometimes when you're driving along, minding your own business, and you're, you know, some people's right foot seems to be a bit heavier than others. And uh, you've got maybe a lead in there or something, it's not your fault, it's, it's your foot's fault or something, and you're, you're speeding. And maybe you're driving along, and all of a sudden you see the police. What is the first thing you feel? For me, it is this rush of adrenaline that goes right through my arms, and I can feel it through me. You see the police and you go, stop speeding, and just sort of back right off. You know, that is the fear that comes because you know that if you've done the wrong thing, you are going to be punished. And that's exactly the sort of thing that the Bible is talking about here. It's saying that if you have that sense of fear when you come to God, you know, maybe you've realized that you've, you've done the wrong thing or you've been hypocritical or you kept God at a distance until Sunday. Maybe that's what you've done, and maybe you get to the point where you feel like, like, oh, I've done the wrong thing. Surely God is going to punish me. And that's what the scripture is saying, that that's a clear sign that you don't know the love of God. You know, you don't know the love of God because His love is perfect. And when He looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. If you are in Christ, then that's who He sees. And so we should have no fear when we feel like, when um, we're coming to God. You know, God, God is standing there with open arms. He has open arms towards us, wanting to woo us in. You know, God wants intimacy with you. It is not good enough to just have a once in a week Jesus. You know, that kind of Jesus isn't good enough because God has so much more for you. He doesn't want you to just get some benefit on Sunday. 
and He wants you to get so much more. And so God has open arms towards us. And sometimes when we do wrong, because we're afraid of that punishment, we can think, God is just going to beat me up. You know, I'm going to run to God and He's just going to beat me. But you know, God loves us and He has open arms towards us. And so I really want you to get that picture of who Jesus is. You know, He is wooing you. C.S. Lewis would call God the hound of heaven. And He would just hound you and hound you because He is desperate for intimacy with you. He went to so many great lengths to show His great love for you even though he knows that you're not perfect and that you fall short. You know, he is the hound of heaven and he chases us down. I'm so glad for that. And so, you know, we are in the middle of a series called Imaginary Jesus. And last week, Pastor Carl talked about legalistic Jesus. And, um, you know, legalistic Jesus always wants to tell you about the wrong things you've done. You know, he wants you to feel guilty and condemned and he wants you to feel bad. And you know, Cal can actually say, that's a bad thing. He actually said, you know what, sometimes we need to hear a word of truth. But Jesus, the real Jesus, is more about truth and grace. Because he can speak truth and grace to us because he has the ability to lead us through our sin and into a place where we can be forgiven. That's grace. So we we love hearing about the different types of Jesus. And, you know, I really think about the heart behind this week, uh, the ones that we Jesus, is actually the fact that God wants intimacy with us. He's not a God who's distant. He's not a God who is far away from us. He actually wants intimacy and closeness. His desire is for you. And He is hounding you and He is hounding me because He wants us to be close to Him. When I thought about why is it that we create a once-a-week Jesus, you know, why do we imagine a Jesus who we can just sort of come to on Sunday and just sort of do things at a distance? I think that suits us really well. You know, we, we, we sort of we do Monday just sort of thinking about ourselves. We do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and maybe even Sunday morning. Maybe Sunday morning, you know, you're trying to get ready. You know, you're doing the best you can. You know, trying to, trying to find one of your children's shoes. That is the most stressful thing in the world to me. It's like, where's that shoe? I can't find it. It was there yesterday. You know, maybe having a big, a big argument with your partner. Like, come on, hurry up, get ready for church. You know, you're screaming, you know, you're and the kids are stressed. You're stressed out of your mind. And then you come here on a Sunday and you're like, every day you are this Put your Sunday face on, you do your thing. Have you ever walked into church thinking, man, my family hates me, but I've got to put my Sunday face on, I look good. I'm sure none of you have done that. You know, you guys are smiling all over the place and you're guilty as me. And there you go. Now, we've all done it where we haven't allowed God into our everyday life. We've we've chosen to get angry at our partners or angry at our kids or or frustrated that they're going to be late to church and everyone's going to sing that I'm late and I'm going to feel bad. You know, we've chosen to step into all of those things rather than saying, Jesus, how should I respond now? You know, on, on Monday, God, how should I respond when I go back to work and, and I get an opportunity to be angry at someone who's doing something against me that I don't like? Should I just stand up for my rights and go at them? Or should I be like Jesus, who trusted God's justice? 
you know, we get the opportunity every day to say, God, what, what do you want me to do? And I think what we need to do is we actually treat God more like our friend. And we say, you know what, God's just like a really good friend. He's like a great mate. You know, God is like a good friend, and all God wants from me is my best interest and whatever I need and whatever I want. And so he's just like a good mate. And so I can just catch up with him on the weekend, I can catch up with him on a Sunday, and, um, you know, Jesus will be happy with that. He'll be happy with my once a week because he is just like a good friend. Um, you know, I've had one or two friends in my life, not many more. Paul Daniel. Um, that was a joke. That was really bad. That was really bad. You know, we, we, I've had a couple of friends, and, you know, these friends, um, basically, I get to choose how I interact with them. And I can remember in high school, I had a friend who, um, you know, we were just the best of mates, really, really good friends. And then, I can't even remember what happened, but this one particular day, he decided that, that I was just the worst person, and he was really angry with me. And out of nowhere, he, he throws a punch. Like right on my face. This is in, like during lunchtime at school. So um, I was there and we were sort of good friends. We had a bit of an argument. And out of nowhere, he threw a punch. Now, like all the stories that you tell about yourself, I won in this situation. So I'm going to keep the stories that I won in. Um, I had been studying judo for about 10 weeks and did a local competition. Uh, so it was right at the top of my mind. And he threw a punch and I reflected it, grabbed his arm, spun him over and threw over my back. So he. Still, all of a sudden, he sort of comes to me on his back, looking up, and he goes, That was awesome! And he was so excited, like, Wow, oh, that's cool! I helped him up, and we were best of mates again. You know, it's such a good thing to be a bloke because you can throw a punch, get a bit angry, and just get over it and be best of mates for the rest of the time. Unlike some of you women out there who, well, I promised the first person I'd do it again. It wasn't in my notes, but I promised my virtue, so you can show me later. But I think what we do is we treat Jesus like he's just a good friend. And you know what? He's a good friend, but if he gets, you know, if he does something that I'm not really happy about, then I get the choice to be angry at him or distance myself or get upset. You know, you, you know what, Jesus? Once a week. That's enough. You know, I'm, I'm not terribly happy. So what does the scripture say about him being our friend? It says in John chapter 15, verse 15. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You know, that is one of the great truths of Scripture, that Jesus is our friend. He actually is our friend, and I know I'm talking about it in a slightly negative context, but the truth of Scripture is that Jesus is our friend. In James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, And the Scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You know, we are a friend of God. And, you know, some of you love that song, I am a friend of God. And I am, you were singing that song, weren't you? You so were. Ah, Sharon Johnson, you were singing that song. I could tell. And I'll confirm that back afterwards. So, you know, basically, you know, we, we love the fact that we can be a friend of God. We can... We can it's that place of intimacy with him where we are his friend. But I think what we do wrongly is we, we camp there. And we say, you know what, God, you have revealed yourself as a friend to me. And sometimes what we do is we make an idol of one characteristic of God. And so we say, you know what, you're my friend. I like that. That's, that's the part of you that I like. I'm going to stay there. 
But you know what? Equally so, he is not just our friend, but Jesus is also our Lord. He's not just our friend, but he's our Lord. And so you look at um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, you don't bow your knee for a friend. You don't do that for a friend, but you do to a Lord. And so Jesus is both friend and he's also Lord. And we need to make sure that we don't camp on one characteristic of God and make an idol out of that. And in fact, we say, God, let your scripture reveal to me who you are. And that really is the heart behind the series, Imaginary Jesus. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him and to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? You know, this is the story of Israel. They were commanded to love the Lord their God with all their heart and with all their soul. This is what God's chosen people were supposed to do. But you know what? They had the biggest messes of things you could ever imagine. Their heart would be led astray. They would go into idolatry. They would serve false gods. They would, they would intermarry um, you know, with people that God has said not to. They would disobey pretty much every command God gave them. They, they mucked up. You know, and I wonder whether you can identify with that. I know I can. You know, we know that we are supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. That every single thing that is within us is supposed to love God. But in reality, as much as we try and as best we can give God our best, we still find our hearts leaning towards other things. We find that we sort of get to the point where we say, God, you know, I'm trying my best, but you know what? To be honest, I'm more interested in my morning coffee than I am my morning devotions. Now, let's be honest, that happens. We do that. Our heart wants other things but God. And that very fact should actually encourage us. Because we know that we are not good enough to meet God's standards. You know, God's standards are so high because He is Lord. Jesus is actually the Lord. And so His standards are so high, but He is actually also our friend. And that should be encouraging to us because where we fall short, He is our friend and He comes in and He makes up for our shortcomings. And so, you know, I wonder if you've ever heard this statement before. If you've been in church for a while, you would have heard this. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, then he isn't Lord at all. If you really think about that statement, it is petrifying. It is to me anyway, because I think, you know what? If, if you aren't Lord of all of my life, I mean, every single part of your life, if he isn't the Lord of all, and He isn't Lord at all. You know, in a way, I think that's true, because what we do is we sort of say, you know, God, you have to be the Lord of everything. But in reality, it's it's impossible. It's a standard that nobody can meet up to. No one in this room is good enough to to sort of make Him Lord of every single part of our life. You know, our heart wanders. We, 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 we get led astray. And what I want to say to you is that should encourage us more than anything. 
because nobody's here putting on a mask, pretending to have this Sunday face on. You know, we don't come to church and say, Monday through to Saturday, I have made him Lord of all, and look at how good I am, look at how clean I am. But instead, we come here and we say, God, I throw myself again at your mercy. You know, God, I throw myself again at your grace, because it's only by your goodness that I make clean. Now, do you understand that it's only by God's goodness that you are made clean? It's not by your goodness. You know, we can, we can go through and maybe, maybe compared to me, you are clean. In fact, you probably felt pretty good compared to me. But the truth is that compared to Jesus, you wouldn't even come close. You know, and that's why we, we can be excited that we serve God, who the scriptures reveal is all Lord and He's also our friend. He's both our friend and he is, he is also the Lord. And so can you imagine, if he was all Lord, then we would have no hope. If he was all Lord and he was just legalistic Jesus, and he, was, he could tell us the truth about our lives and everything we've done wrong, then we would have absolutely no hope. Because that's the standard we could never meet. But equally so, if he was just our friend, if he was all friend, then we would have no hope either. Because he wouldn't have any power to make any changes in our life. And I believe the greatest truth of Scripture is that he is both Lord and our friend. And I thank God for that. I think that's an amazing truth. But right now, what I want you to do is I want you to imagine your life as if it were a house. Um, this is easy for me to do. I even wake up this morning thinking, man, I spent eight hours of my sleep dreaming about houses and buying houses and doing things because we're actually building a house at the moment. So, you know, I spent so much time thinking about houses. So, I want you to do the same. I want you to imagine your life as if it were a house. And so, what I want you to do is imagine that one area is maybe your work life or another area is your recreation. Um, you know, another part can, can be your relationship with your partner. You know, you know, imagine what your life would look like if you were to section it out as a house. And here's what I think we do. I think we've got our life and we've got our compartments. This is work. This is God. This is is where Jesus is. This is my work. This is my relationship. This is my recreation. These are all the different parts of our life. And what I think we do is we say, okay, once we're with Jesus, I'm going to go over to my Jesus room and I'm going to head over here and I'm going to go into my Jesus room, turn the light on, and there's Jesus. You know, he's in the Jesus room. Maybe there's... Maybe there's an usher at the door in our Jesus room, shaking our hand, making us feel welcome. There's a, a little LED lit cross in the corner that maybe says Jesus is Lord. And then my little addition for Jesus is also our friend. You know, he does all these things. We go in there, the little couch, and we can sit on the couch and we can read our Bible. And this is our Jesus room after all. This is where we go to feel like, you know, Jesus is there. He's close to me. He's with me. Now, can you just picture, I wonder what would be in your Jesus room. Now, what would you have in there? And we go into our Jesus room and we've got this compartment where God lives. And we go to that place and what I think is that we love our Jesus room because we're in control. And as soon as it gets a bit scary, we can turn the light off, shut the door, run away and go over here because, man, sometimes Jesus gets a bit full And we just like to be in control of our relationship with God. And I think sometimes what we do is we just want to have control of God rather than to live in Him and to allow Him to permeate every single part of our life. 
And you know, I just want to say this statement, that God did bankrupt heaven and send his son to the earth to live a perfect life and then be murdered for your sins, for our sins, so that you could just hang out with Jesus on a Sunday. But rather, Jesus gave his life so that you could have a living relationship with him. When we stand back and we realise what Jesus has done for us, it's not good enough to just have a bit of a relationship with him. It's not good enough to come on a Sunday and just sort of go, you know, God, I live for you, I love you, I feel good, I'm doing all these things. It's not good enough to do that. And not not that God is judging us, but that God is beckoning us. He is the hound of heaven and he is wooing us to come closer to be intimate with him. And I believe when we separate, you know, Jesus as a, as a just you go in your room, go, go into your Jesus room and stay there and I get control, I can come in and turn you on when I want to. I believe we miss out on the, on the privilege of having him be a part of every facet of our life. And he can speak into our life with such power and clarity. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it's put really, really well. It says, I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with your godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your mind may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, I'll leave it there. I wonder if you get what that scripture is talking about. We have got the opportunity to be totally devoted to Christ. You know, once again, Jesus would say, you stay over there, you know, you, you, you live in your room, you have your place in my life, you know, I can do whatever I want, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I can live my life any way that I want to. But on Sunday, I'll come in and and I'll feel better about myself because, you know, after all, this, this is my Jesus room and I just come in there and feel a bit better and I'll walk away. God has got so much more for you than just that. He has got a place where you can be intimate with Him, where it can be, as the scripture says, like a marriage. You know, a healthy marriage is one where you want to be with the other person. Where you just, your desire is to be with them, to hang out with them, to be every day with them. Can you imagine a marriage if you sort of said, just let me do my thing for now and I'll, I'll catch up with you on Sunday. You know, that marriage probably won't last terribly long because, you know, it is about being together and, and being totally devoted. And the word that he used in that scripture is pure devotion. And, you know, C.S. Lewis put it well when he said that God is like the hound of heaven. And he's chasing you down. Maybe you felt like you, you, you know, have at times had a once a week Jesus, where he's just sort of had a, a nice, next little place in your life, but he hasn't actually permeated every part of your life. You haven't let him in. You know, when you want to do something wrong, maybe you shut the Jesus door on that part of your life. Get the mattress, lean up against the door, try to make as wide as you can, sneak out and do whatever you want to do somewhere else. You know. There is a lot of advantage to us to do that because it helps us feel like, you know, I can still keep my relationship with Jesus good. But the problem is we're not fooling anybody. And Jesus knows all things. And he still loves you anyway. 
Now, I remind you about the first scripture I used that talked about the fact that God had made, before God made the world, He loved us. He loved us so much and it didn't have anything to do with how you responded to Him, how good you were, how bad you've been. He loved us and we've got to remember that. So how that applies, I think we realise that really our heart was control of God. You know, we want to have control. We want to do it our way. And so we want to have control. We, we want to be in control of everything rather than living in Him. And the scripture says when we are in Christ, you know, that is the place that God has for us. We want to be in Christ. You know, it said there before in, um, in Ephesians, um, in Ephesians 1 4, that even before He made the world, God loved us and showed us in Christ. When we are in Him, then we can be clean because God doesn't see your sin, but He sees Jesus and what He's done. So, you know, we are to pursue the real Jesus. And I want to encourage you today that the real Jesus isn't a once a week Jesus. He's not able to be tamed, He's not able to be contained to a room, but He is actually living and breathing and He wants intimacy with us. And maybe like Eve in the Garden of Eden, maybe you've been sort of tricked and led astray into thinking that you can just have him in a position of your life where you can be in control. You know, that's what Paul was afraid of when he said, you know, I fear that you've been led astray and that you're not seeking intimacy with Christ. We can have an intimate relationship with Christ. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. You know, Jesus is knocking. He's knocking on the door of our hearts, of our lives. And he's saying, will you hear my voice? Will you allow me to come in? And that is the place we can have with God. We don't have to keep him at arm's length. You know, we don't have to keep him over here. We don't have to treat him just as a friend. But he can be both. He can both be our friend and our Lord. You know, his desire for us is intimacy. He doesn't want just to keep us at arm's length. He wants to be close and intimate and love. And he wants to restore, you know, even people in this room. You know, God wants to restore your relationship with him. Because he is wooing you. He loves you. And he wants that closeness to you. So, you know, I just wonder even right now, if you were to close your eyes and bow your head, you know, maybe you are here today and you sense that God is wooing you in. That the hound of heaven is chasing you down because he is desperate for you. You know, I know that he did that in my life. He chased me down and he wooed me in. Because he loved me so much. Even though I'd done so many things wrong and I kept him at arm's length, he had done that for me. Maybe you're here and for the very first time, maybe you're saying, God, I want to be made clean. You know, I want to be made clean. I want to be put in a position where I can stand before you and not have any fear. You know, I want to stand before you and I want to be clean as clean can be. And you've made mistakes, but you want to say, God, let me into... But, you know, I want to let you into my life so that I can have you every day, not just on Sunday. 
And you know, if that's you, I want to be as bold to ask, would you just raise your hand? If that's for the very first time, could you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. If for the very first time, you're saying, God, I don't want to segment you. I don't want to have just a relationship with you over here. I want to invite you in. Because he is chasing you. You know, I think about maybe we think, God, I'm going to keep you at arm's length because, you know, surely you wouldn't love me. Surely you wouldn't love me. You know, I've done so many things wrong. But God isn't waiting for you to clean yourself up before you can come to him. That's his job. And so you can respond even now and say, God, please forgive me. You know, I'm sorry for my sin and I want your cleanness. So if that's, if that's you, if there's anyone else who's never, ever done that for the first time, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand. Thank you for that. That's right. Maybe you're here and you have, you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you're just like, you know what, I have kept God at arm's length and I've done the very best I can, but I just still feel like I can't get that closeness or I can't get that intimacy. You know, God isn't sitting there waiting to beat you up over the things that you've done wrong. And instead, He actually spread His arms wide and across and He paid for your sins. And I want to encourage you, He wants to murder just so that you can just hang out with Him. And He wants to make you clean and spotless in His sight. So maybe you've been a Christian for ages, but you just feel like you've drifted or you've gone away. That's what you want to ask you to raise your hands right now. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Anyone else? Excellent. You know, this is not your opportunity to say, I'm going to do better. I'm going to live my life better. I'm going to make me clean. But this is your opportunity to say, God, I surrender to you. Thank you. Now, is there anyone else who feels like you have just fought so hard and tried your best? And maybe, you know, this is your opportunity to say, God, it's not, I recognize now, that it's not about me and my effort, but it's about you and your finished, perfect work on the cross. One last time, there anyone else? Thank you, thank you, that's right. Thanks, Lord. Let's pray. God, you are so incredibly good to us. Father, I thank you that you can reveal yourself to us in ways that we can't possibly imagine. God, I thank you for those who have raised their hands today, Lord, for the very first time to allow you into their life. Father, I just pray right now that you will just fill those people with your spirit. Lord, that they will experience the peace that can only come by knowing you. God, we know that you have done that for so many others in this room, but God, I pray that you would make your presence real for them right now. And that this would be the greatest decision of their life. Well, for those who have just said, Lord, I, I just feel so apart from you. God, I feel so distant. Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name, God, to, to allow them to see that they, Lord, they can be close to you, that they can have intimacy with the living God. And we don't just sing songs about a God who is dead, a God who is so distant, but we sing songs about a God it is so incredibly real to us. So, Father, I pray that you would help them 
God, that this would be the end of a long, tiring journey for so many today. Father, that you would help us to see that you are an everyday Jesus, that the real Jesus loves us incredibly, and that we can enter into a, a, a close relationship because of your perfect love. So we bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for coming on today, guys. We hope that God has touched you and moved you in a way that you respond to Him. Um, if you need prayer for anything today, maybe raise your hand and you'd like prayer to be in the first service, we're going to invite you to come up the front. And I want to challenge you, be bold. If you need prayer, as many of you have indicated, come up the front and just see God finalize something on your life. Thanks for coming. Enjoy some great fellowship in the cafe and we'll see you next week.